Well, it's my absolute joy uh, to share the Word of God with you this morning and uh, absolute privilege to be continuing a great series that we've been doing called Disciple. Could I, could I just have the house lights up a little bit? I love to see faces. I know you have to look at mine, but I like to see yours. <laughs> so it's my joy to be sharing. If you've missed any of that series called Disciple, it's all free. On the website, you can grab that, and I would encourage you to do that. And it's my joy this morning to talk about uh, the challenge of discipleship, but hopefully in a good way, hopefully in a way that will bless us and help us. And if you've got a Bible and you want to follow a reading with me, I'm going to take a short reading from the very first gospel in the New Testament, the gospel of Matthew, and I'm just going to read literally the last few verses of Matthew chapter 28. So I'm going to read from verse 16 down to the end of the chapter. So just a few verses. These uh, record the Jesus' last words as recorded by Matthew in his gospel. So Jesus is about to ascend back into heaven after the resurrection. And these amazing words he speaks to his young disciples. And it says this, verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. And then it adds this, I love this, but some doubted. And what do you got to do? What have you got to do to convince people? There we are. Then Jesus came to them and said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then I love this, this beautiful conclusion. Matthew begins by telling us that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And Matthew finishes with these words, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. That's a banker right there, right? Isn't it? As long as we have that, we can do uh, anything. When it comes to thinking about discipleship, and certainly my experience of it, in the church, being a disciple, trying to make other disciples, trying to help people in their followership of Jesus. I think sometimes we've fallen into two sort of really easy mistakes to fall into. Number one, we tend to think of discipleship as a program. All right? It's something we do in church. So we have a discipleship course or a discipleship program that we invite you to. Now, of course, nothing wrong with that. That's brilliant. We should keep having that stuff. But when we lean into the Bible, especially, especially the really getting onto the skin of it, we discover that discipleship, both in an Old Testament and New Testament context, is not so much a program. It's a lifestyle. It's an idea of something lived, not just something attended or something done, okay? And I love the spirit of the young lions here. Uh, the, the third year guy who said, you know, uh, I've learned that I, I have to keep growing. I love that because, because actually the danger is we go to young lions and we're, oh, I've done, I've done my young lions course, yeah. all right? But that's really, that's really a catalyst. That's a sort of a bit of cream on the cake of life where we get something a bit extra, a bit special, which propels us back into everyday living. So we must move beyond thinking about discipleship or being a disciple as something we do, a program in church. It's really a lifestyle, something that we need to live out. And here's the other big thing that I think I've discovered in my years 
uh, in the church, we tend to think that discipleship is for experts. But it's for everybody. All right? Now, I understand that we may bring people in to do special teaching or instruction on certain stuff because they've got some angles on stuff. That's cool. But actually what we mustn't do is drive that too hard to think, well, discipleship is done by experts. Okay? So, so in our little story here of Jesus, it says he spoke to the 11. Now the average age of the 11 would have been in their mid-teens. So we tend to think of the disciples as being really old, but the oldest disciple would have been Peter. He was the only one married, unless he's collecting mother-in-laws for fun. He's the only one married. Him and Jesus were the only two to pay temple tax, which only young men over the age of 20 paid. And a rabbi would generally pick people sort of in that teenage year group. So these are young people. These are the sorts of young people that stood up here, all right? Now, when we look at that crowd of young lion, young people, we go, well, well, they're just young people. But actually, that's exactly the crew that Jesus picked, all right? Now, we just tend to think, and, and some of you, that's already freaked you out because you've like thought of Peter had been 96 when Jesus called him <laughs> with a big white beard and the flowing white hair. This is preposterous idea preposterous idea culturally doesn't even come close to Jewish culture so so these we we tend to think of these these 11 disciples as like experts but if you read the gospels you discover there's no expertise about them (laughs) they're just young people in our culture adults in their culture young people in our culture who are learning as they go and here's what Jesus says to them as you learn and go Teach and go. All right? He's, he's saying, now, I want you. You've spent three years with me. You've graduated from your Young Lion program. You spent three years with me. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and sort of replicate that idea. I want you to now go and instruct other followers of Jesus. And if we grab this idea, and I love this, there's a way of reading Matthew 28 that doesn't just say go, that sounds like a real command imperative, but the way it's constructed by Matthew, you could read it this way, as you go, or in your going, or having gone, all right? So the idea is that Jesus is saying to them, not just go as a command, but he's saying, on your going, disciple, as you're going, disciple. In other words, Jesus is inviting the discipleship process into everyday life. But secondly, he's inviting everybody into the process. Anyone who is going can disciple. Is that good news? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Maybe we don't want to hear that sort of challenge. But here's the challenge. You, the first challenge I want to give to you is really, really simple by way of introduction. You've got to stop thinking of discipleship as something we do in a program. It is how we live. That is discipleship. And it's not just for the experts. It's for everybody. We are all called, every person in this room without exception is called to be a disciple, a learner from Jesus. That's what the word literally means. And we're also all called to disciple. 
Yep. It's very quiet. And you don't need a word from heaven to do that because I've just given you one. Don't need to pray about it. Stop praying about, should I disciple people? Stop it. It's in the Bible. You don't need to pray for a word. We've got a word. As you go, Jesus says, as you live your life, disciple those who would follow after me. So this is the challenge. And um, if we're prepared to make that shift, that it's something I think we can embrace and really enjoy. Now, how do we, how do we sort of do that? How do we disciple? And I, I'm one of those people, I'm always asking, what does that look like question? All right, I get it. Jesus is saying to me, it's not for the realm of the experts, it's for the realm of everybody. It's not a program, it's a lifestyle. So then my next question is, what does discipling people look like? Or what does being discipled look like? And as I'm seeking to answer that question, I'm leaning into the Bible and I'm looking at people who were good at it. And one of the people who were really, really good at it in the New Testament was a guy called Paul. And Paul was brilliant at discipling people. And some of his disciples, if you like, some of the people he trained up have made a mark on the Bible and a mark on the church for thousands of years. So people like Titus, the book in the Bible called Titus, Paul trained him. That young man, Timothy, Paul trained him. Philemon, whose house housed the church at Colossae, Paul trained him. Onesimus, who becomes Paul's son, Paul trained him. John Mark, who wrote the first gospel, Paul had a hand in training him. Dr. Luke, who writes the gospel of Luke in the book of Acts, guess who trained him? You getting the message? Are you with me? So, so I'm going, right, how do you, how do you disciple people? So that's, that's try and find someone who's good at this and see if we can learn something from them. And when I leaned into Paul, there were three really simple ideas. I mean, there's probably more. But three really simple ideas that Paul demonstrates and I think really helped me and you to embrace this idea of number one, being a disciple, a learner, but also getting involved in discipling others. Are you with me? Okay, here's the first, first thing that Paul says to us. He says, first of all, example it. Discipleship starts with example. Okay, now here's what he says. Listen to these amazing, amazing words. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Whoa, that's a bit heavy, right? And you can find that to the letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And in fact, earlier on in the same letter, Paul says this. He says, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Now, in the NIV version of the Bible that I have, you have in chapter 4, imitate, and in chapter 11, follow, and it's actually the same word. And the word here literally can be translated copy. Okay. So here's what Paul's saying to the church at Corinth. A church like ours, church is still struggling to learn about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He's saying, if you're stuck and you don't know what to do, copy me. Come on. There's a challenge right there. Copy me. In other words, Paul is saying, my life will show you what to do. 
So if you're not sure what to do as a follower of Jesus, what should you do? Well, there's lots of things we can do, but one of the things that we can all do as a starting point is look at another follower of Jesus we really trust and just copy them. Are you with me? Now we get nervous about the idea of copying, but actually that's a way of learning, right? Your kids copied you if you've got kids. Sometimes that was a good thing. And sometimes not. Those of you that have been in business, you've apprenticed people where they literally have learned by following you, by copying you. So the idea of copying is a natural part of life. It's, it's something we do all the time. Now, it can't be where we stop as a disciple, but it can be where you start. If you're not sure what to do, copy someone who is sure. Come on. Come on, are you with me? And this is such an important idea. Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, if you're stuck, copy me. Why? Because I copy Christ. Now, that's a big claim. I know that sort of sounds really out there. But Paul is saying this with a measure of confidence that if you're stuck, Corinthians, then imitate me. I love this. I've seen this in my own life. My dad was a very, very, very simple man, beautifully simple, very uncomplicated man, uncomplicated to the level in his simplicity that he was almost vulnerable because there was a a beautiful tenderness and naivety about my father that made him just beautifully attractive. I, I was once asked the question, describe your dad in three words. A tough one. The three words instantly came to my mind, integrity, honesty, generosity. Right? Because I saw those things modeled. You know, I, I didn't see them modeled on the platform, just. I saw them modeled in our wee house in Belfast, on the peace line, with all the stuff going on around me. I saw this modeled when my dad was unemployed. I saw this modeled when tragedy hit the family. I saw this modeled when we had no money. I saw this modeled. So I saw prayer modeled because I heard my daddy pray. He would go up into our our little attic room before we converted them into bedrooms and I would hear my daddy pray through the floorboards. He modeled reading the Bible because I saw him sitting in the living room reading the Bible. Wow. I saw a model generosity. And in fact, he so modeled generosity in our home that it had a profound impact on all of us. My, my sister, uh, when she got her first job in the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast, in the days when you got your pay in an envelope. People of a certain age, people of a, of a younger disposition go, envelopes, cash? What's that? Okay, so the day before back payments, you, you literally got your pay in an envelope, cash. How weird is that? Walking home with, a, with an envelope full of cash on a Friday. And my sister was so impacted by my dad's example of generosity that she took her very first pay packet. I'll never forget it. She walked into our living room and she put the pay packet on the mantelpiece and she said, that's for God. She gave the whole of the first fruits of her first pay to God. Now, where did she learn to do that? She watched her daddy. Come on, are you with me? My dad was, was a great gardener. He owned an allotment around the corner and everything he touched grew. 
I did not inherit that from my father. Everything I touched dies. And, and everything he touched grew. Amazing, amazing man. And he quite fancied the idea of opening a grocery shop on the Shankill Road. And my mother forbid him. And here was the reason. She said, you wouldn't make any money. You would give everything away. What a great example. Come on, are you with me? I saw my father model service. He would work in the shipyard, do a hard day shift in the shipyard, come home, get himself some tea, get himself cleaned up, and then three or four nights a week out serving the church running kids programs, doing stuff, running up and down the road, helping old people, doing just service, 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 service. My dad, I never heard my dad in 17 years of living with him, never once heard him complain about serving people. Counted it a privilege. What an example. And I saw my dad model forgiveness when his brother was killed by the IRA and killed to such an extent that they couldn't open the coffin. It was a sealed coffin. And I saw my dad model forgiveness. Actions. Actions what? Actions what? Speak louder than words. Now listen, thank God for for stuff like this. Thank God for preachers and people who can be eloquent and and say wonderful things. But, But you can't deny example. Good, bad, or ugly. Now here's the deal, and here's been the challenge to my own life, and I've raised three children, still raising three children, even though they're all adults, we're still raising. What's going on there? Um, but we've now got a granddaughter involved, and, and, and here's the challenge, you know, that, that came to me from my father. And I want to lay the challenge with you. If people, people didn't know what to do as a follower of Jesus, but they copied you. What would that look like? Would you, be, would you be happy with the reflection? That's a sobering challenge, isn't it? Come on, isn't it? Now, I'm not talking about the frivolous stuff, what football team you support. Although I hope you'd all like sign up for LFC, but, but I, I, I'm not talking about the frivolous stuff. I'm talking about the real life stuff, right? If they copied my attitude, what would that look like? If they copied my generosity or lack of it, what would that look like? If they copied... Not what I'm like in the pulpit, but what I'm doing that in private. If they, if they were the mirror reflection of that, what would that look like? And Paul is saying, imitate me. That's the most, one of the most powerful forms of discipleship. Now, here's the deal. Whether you're aware of that or not, that's what you're doing. When you walked in this building as a follower of Jesus, you were modeling something. No, I'm not. No, yes, you are. Come on. If you're a leader, you're leading when you're not leading. You're always leading. You're always exampling. You're half standing in the foyer with a cup of coffee. Your badge is not on because your day off. You're still leading. You're still exampling. People are watching you. People are listening to you. And Paul says, if you're going to disciple seriously, then you've got to think about example. Got to think about being an intentional example. And we've got the call. What we're being called to do is think about that deliberately. Just be intentional. This is, example is happening all the time, whether we're in deliberate or not. So Paul says then, be deliberate. Be deliberate in the way you live so that if others copied you, 
You still there? It's a bit quiet, isn't it? You still love me? Okay, half of you do. So I'm going to keep going because the half's enough. I'll keep moving. Okay, here's the second part of discipleship we learned from Paul. Not only do we example it, but we explain it. So this is the next stage. Example really is good. So if you're not sure what to do, copy someone who does. That's really great. But of course, that's not enough. Because if I'm just copying you and I don't understand why, and I don't understand how, then I'm in danger. Because when you're not around, I'm stuck. Because I've no one to copy. So copy is a great start, but never a great finish. We don't want to finish there, but we're happy to start there. Listen to what Paul says, um, uh, speaking to the church at, at Philippi. He says, join with others. In following my example, so same word as the word we've used in Corinth, the copy word, join with others in following my example, imitating me. And then he says this, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Now, did you notice the shift there? So Paul says, uh, you can, you can sort of look at my example, that sort of copying thing. But then he says this, but take note, take note of what? of those that are living according to the pattern. Now, he introduces there a cool word, pattern. Now, in, in Paul's word, the easiest way to explain that, that, that word would be when, when a, a, Roman, a, a Roman official wanted to send an important document, he would seal the document by putting a big blob of wax over the document, and then he would put his mark or his seal or the Roman seal on that, on that wax and then it would harden. Okay. And this was a sign that this was an important document. So what has he done? He has patterned the clay. He has patterned this, this thing. So now the mark of that Roman is on that, that wax. He's marked it. That's exactly the word that Paul's using here. So he's moving now from something you're looking at to something that's making a mark. It's a discernible, pattern. And when Paul's thinking about the mark, there are two big ideas in the mark, which are very important. He's saying the mark will teach us why we do it. And the mark will teach us how to do it. Okay. You with me? Why and how. So that's the pattern. So example is a great start. Follow my example. Not sure what to do, copy me. But then Paul understands copying me is not going to be enough because when I'm not around, we're going to be in trouble. So here's what we need to do. We need to think about the why and the how of being a disciple. And we'll introduce that as a pattern that you can buy into, that you can see, understand, and follow. And that's why for us as followers of Jesus, not only is community important because hopefully it's filled with people who are showing us how, or the, the sort of how we should live in that example, but also we're, we're starting to get amongst people who are helping to, to let us see the why and the, uh, and the how we should do that. This is what you should do, follow my example. But now in the pattern, we're showing you why you should do that. So convincing you it's a good thing to do, but then how you should do that so you can do it for yourself. Does that make sense? 
That's an important part of discipleship because discipleship always is moving the person you're discipling away from dependency on you and into a dependency on truth. If you're discipling people and and they're still dependent on you after five years, we're we're not doing this well. Come on, are you with me? All right, now everyone grows at different levels, so that's okay, don't worry about that. But the, the job of discipleship is not just to stay a copy, but the job of discipleship is to say, now here's why I'm doing this, here's how I'm doing this. Now, on you go, you do it, okay? You get a why and you get a how. And discipling is about helping that process. And, and everybody in this room can do that. So, so even though you, you might think someone else is further along the road than you, there's a why and a how in you. You've learned some stuff. You've learned the why of this journey. You've learned the how of this journey. Well, that's what you can pass on to somebody else. And that's the call of discipleship. Does that make sense to you? Hope it does. Hope it's making sense because we're moving from copy to pattern. All right. A little example of this for me in my life, a silly example in some ways, was when I moved over a few years ago from using PCs to moving on to Apple Mac and uh, Apple computers. Some of you will know those computers. And they have two completely, well, back then, actually, they had two completely different operating systems. And I was a bit nervous about jumping over to Apple for two reasons. Number one, they did everything differently, completely differently to PC. Number two, they were really, really expensive and still are, still are, all right? But I, I became convinced this was going to be good for me because of, of the people around me sort of brand evangelists convincing me I needed an apple. And so I took the plunge and I got my first laptop, okay? And a friend of mine who's a bit of a Mac evangelist, he said to me, listen, when you get it, don't even take it out of the box. Come round to my house and I'll go through everything with you. He says, even opening the Mac out of the box is a bit of a ceremony you've got to go through. Okay, some Mac people in the room quite clearly, and you've had this experience. So that's what I did. I, I got my, my Mac in my box, and, and I went round to his house, and we went through this thing. And it literally, from opening up the box to taking it out, to flipping up the lid, to pressing the, the power button for the very first time. And here's what was brilliant about that night. It was brilliant about that night. Not only was it really exciting to have this new piece of very expensive kit, but every single stage... He said, this is why you do this, and this is how to do it. Now, if you get stuck, think about this, 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 and this. And the reason he went through that, and we spent about three hours together going through the whole thing. The reason he did that was because he didn't want me coming back to him all the time with, where's the on button again? <laughs> but, but what he did was he explained why and how. Good discipleship is never just copy me. That's a start. Great discipleship says, this is why we do what we do. This is how we do what we do. Now, even the how, you'll do that slightly different to somebody else. But there is a process that we're giving to people so that they can move beyond dependency on us and into an interdependent relationship. And as we sang this morning, a dependency on the Lord and the Holy Spirit. That's where we want to get them, right? Yes? 
And so Paul then starts with example. If you're not sure what to do, copy me. And then he moves to this idea of pattern. He explains it and he gives this pattern to the church. Here's the third one that Paul gives to us. He encourages us to exercise it. So we move from this uh, idea of copy to pattern, now to practice. We're moving from example to explain to exercise. This is what discipleship's about. Discipleship, ultimately, the goal of discipleship is not just for me to be full of information as a learner, but to then translate that learning into teaching. And and that teaching of others is not just the job of the teacher in the church. That teaching of others is for every disciple. And so we're called to exercise it. Now look, listen to what Paul says. Back to Timothy, one of the young men that Paul trained. In fact, Paul only called three men his sons and Timothy is one of them. Listen to these beautiful words. Some of you will know these words from 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now, my NIV Bible uses the phrase there, set the example, but the phrase literally translated is display the pattern. It's the same word as pattern that he uses when he speaks previously. So having taught the pattern to Timothy, what's Paul now saying? He's saying now, teach that pattern to others. Now, I like that translation better because the example thing just sounds like Paul saying to Timothy, just live a good life. Be, be, be good in these things. And Paul's saying much stronger than that. He's saying to Timothy, you receive the pattern. Now teach the pattern. Same word. So, so we think about Timothy as a person. What's, what's his trajectory being? He's literally copied Paul. Literally. But then Paul realizes it's not enough. So what does Paul do? Paul teaches Timothy the pattern. Why and how. And now Paul is saying to Timothy, teach the pattern to other people. Pass this on. Exercise it so that the church of Jesus Christ can develop and can grow. It's the idea that you are moving from the learner to the teacher. Now, don't think of those as capital L and capital T. We're thinking in terms of the trajectory of life. I'm learning from, I'm moving from learning from others to now passing on that learning to others. Are you with me? Now, that's something everybody in this room can do. And I know some of you will be nervous about, well, what have I got to teach? But if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been a follower of Jesus any length of time and you've learned something and that learning of that something is a definite why and how that's working in your world, you've got something to teach. Come on, you can teach something. You can pass that on into somebody's world. And I love this idea. And many of us in this room are products of someone teaching us by example or by input, and then we continue to grow in that pattern to the point where we've got, we've got some measure of confidence to share that pattern with other people. Does that make sense to you? Hope it does. In 1996, I took a young woman on a missions trip for the very first time. It was her very first missions trip. 
And she was part of our missions trip team from Rotherham Church, and we were going to Sicily. She was 15 years of age. And she went on that trip, not really knowing what to expect, but knowing this is the pattern of our church. Our church is not just a church that gathers, we're a church that sends, we're a church that goes. We, we would send on average six or seven missions teams a year out from the church. So she had grown up in this pattern. This is what we do. She's copying now the pattern. But in, in her journey as a young Christian, a bit like they've done with young lions, we tried to teach her the why and the how of why we do this and how we do this. And one of the ways we do it is you can go on a missions trip with us as well as, as, well as being on mission in your school, mission in your university, and mission at your job and your street. You can also go on special trips with us and have really amazing experiences. And so she signed up for a trip and something happened in her. It went from copy to pattern. Something clicked inside her. She got the why and she got the how. Today, that young woman leads a missions organization called One by One that is literally touching thousands of people all over the world. And back in 2018, that young woman, who's now a slightly older woman, invited me to do some teaching on one of her missions trips in Kenya. But also on that same trip, she took my youngest daughter on mission with her. And I had a moment, incredible moment of clarity that when she was 15, I took her, tried to model something in mission to her, and now she's taking my youngest daughter, who wasn't even born then, on mission. That's, that's the trajectory. That's what we're after. Now, I know that's a pretty extreme example. It's a pretty out there example, but it sort of is the idea. We copy. We don't know what to do. Copy. And every one of us, the challenge is, if someone was copying me, what would that look like? But if you don't know what to do, copy. But copying's not enough. The copy will only get us through so far. So we've got to move from copy to pattern. What's the pattern? Why and how? Why? And you've got to get the why for yourself. You've got to own your why. Because if you're doing it for me, then when I'm not around, you'll not do it. But if you're doing it for you, for truth, for why, then you'll do it. And we get that high. But we don't stop there. Don't stop there. And that's a pretty good place, but we don't stop there. We, we keep going. And the next stage is helping others who don't know what to do to start doing something and teaching others the why and the how. Now, that's not for a program. Programs can help that, but that's for life. Great discipleship is done in real time, real life, real world. And this is not for the experts, for, for, for Cookie or for Anna or for John or for, for visitors. This is for everybody. Everybody can be an example. Say amen. <laughs> Some of you are still resisting saying amen to me, but everybody in the room can be an example. But we're calling you to be an intentional example. Think about what you're exampling, how you're exampling. Everyone in this room, if you want to, everyone in this room can, can become an explainer. Helping people with the why and the how. And everyone in this room can help people move from living in an example 
and having it explained to now, like you're doing, exercising that so that the church of Jesus Christ is enriched and enlarged. Jesus said, go and make disciples. It's really easy to leave that as a big, heavy-duty sort of religious command. But what Jesus was saying to his young disciples, really, and I think Paul puts this into practice, explain it, or example it, explain it, exercise it. Be someone who can live as an example. Be someone who can explain the why and the how and be someone who can exercise this in the lives of others. And if every one of us, or even, can I say this, even half of us did that, it would make a dynamic impact on this church and on our world. Because it's disciples who change the world, not programs. We are light. We are salt. We are his ambassadors. Amen? Amen. The, the band, you, gonna, you guys coming back are going to lead us in a final song, and I'm going to pray. Hope that makes sense to you. Yeah. It's certainly, for someone like me, a bearer of little brains like me, it makes total sense to me. I can get this. I can, I can distill down the big idea of disciple right down into everyday bite-sized lumps. I can, I can understand this. And if I want to, if I want to, I can do it. And I just want to lay the challenge at, at your feet. Simple challenge. Number one, just think about your example. None of us are perfect. Listen, if you're a bit vulnerable about trying to be perfect, get over that. Just get over it. That ain't going to happen this side of heaven. So just relax with your imperfection in the sense that it's there. But even in our brokenness and our imperfection, we can still model something good. My daddy wasn't perfect, but he was a good man. He modeled some stuff that now, as a 55-year-old adult, I still copy. And I want to encourage you, think about your example here in the bridge. Think about your example in your world. And remember, your example is the first step of discipleship. But maybe some of you stepping up a little bit more because you've got something good inside you. You've got a lot of stuff inside you. And maybe you could step up a little bit and take a little bit more responsibility or, or lean in a bit more in, in explaining it to people, helping others get the why and the how. But whatever you do, I want to encourage you to exercise it. Take what you've learned, what you've got, and share it with those around you. Amen? Will you stand with me if you can? Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you will give every one of us a learning heart. Lord, you said of that crowd that day, you said to your disciples, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And Lord, firstly and foremostly, and we've already heard this in this series, we want to be people who learn from you. Just as Paul copied you, Lord, will you help us in our frailty and weakness, in the challenge of the everyday, will you help us to copy you, to follow after you, to imitate you 
in the ordinary, in the routine, in the everyday. And Lord, I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters today that we will be men and women who are intentional about our example. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will touch that example with your grace, your truth, and your life and your power. And that our example will light up and be like a a, a directional beacon for those who just don't know how, but can see what. And Lord, I pray for every one of us that we will take up the challenge of perhaps being men and women who explain this great way, the why and the how to those around us. But I ask, O Lord, more than anything, that this church will be filled with men and women who exercise this, who put into practice their why and their how. And Lord, we know that if we live after that why and that how, then we will shine as lights in the darkness. We will be salt to the earth. We will be representatives of your kingdom. And Lord, we will be consistent ambassadors of your grace. And so, Lord, I pray your blessing on every one of these wonderful people. Lord, seal your word in our hearts that we may not only follow after you, but we may lead others who follow after you. That we may not only be learners, but we would be teachers. That, Lord, we would not simply be imitators, but, Lord, we would be men and women who reproduce your grace and your goodness in the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.